0: Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi, recording from MDL Group, recognized market leaders in commercial real estate brokerage and property management in Las Vegas, Nevada. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most, Let's get started. Happy New Year. We just concluded NAOP's Forecast 2020 event. This was in partnership with the Lee Business School at UNLV, the Lee Institute for Real Estate Studies, and with Howard Hughes Corporation. Wow, it was a monster room this morning. Probably about 380 of the top professionals in, in the real estate development community here in Southern Nevada. I want to thank the sponsors, of course, Martin Harris Construction, CBRE, and Harsh Investment Properties. The events, these events don't happen at this size and scale without great sponsors like you. And I personally want to give a special thanks to Reed Godisman and the Harsh team for letting me use their sponsor table this morning to sit here and record this takeaways to share with all of you. So let me get into the program and explain what it was and who was here and what they said, and things are, are a bit different in this Takeaways. Sean Donosky's not here, and Reed Gottesman is not here. It's just me, and I'm going to slice in um, conversations that I had with each of the panelists and the speakers today, all except for Jeff Lepore. Jeff Lepore moderated the, the broker panel, which I'll talk about what, what that was, but couldn't grab him today. Maybe we'll bring him back for a whole episode, his own episode of Takeaways in the Future. So Naop's forecast 2020, like I said, it was set up a bit differently. The morning kicked off with opening remarks from Julie Cleaver, who is senior vice president of planning and design for Howard Hughes Corporation and is the current president of Naop Southern Nevada. Following Julie is the tireless Dr. Vivek Saw. Dr. Saw is the director of the Lead Institute for Real Estate Studies at UNLV. So after they gave their opening remarks, we opened the show. NAOP brought in some keynote speakers. Uh, the first one, an economist, his name is Victor Cantalog. He's the chief economist and senior vice president at Moody's Analytics, Reese. So obviously this is a forecast event, so you can't do forecasting without economic numbers. And man, this guy, I think the, the crowd, people were saying this is the funniest economist they've ever heard. Um, so I sat down with Victor. I asked him to emphasize what the highlights were from his presentation. For those of you who were there and are listening back or for those of you who unfortunately could not make it, I asked him also what he is personally excited about in 2020 and then just any other takeaways that we missed. So here he is, here's my conversation with Victor. Victor Cantalog PhD with a CRE designation. Maybe you could tell us what that is. Victor is a chief economist and senior vice president for Moody's Analytics. Reese and just open NAOP forecast 2020 dazzled the crowd he made uh, economics fun and humorous Uh, applause all over the place laughter all over the place so tell us uh, for those who were here who are listening and maybe those who couldn't make it what was the emphasis of what you shared today
1: So, in general, the U.S. economy is poised to do relatively well in 2020. What I am most excited about, actually, is the fact that global growth prospects are actually brighter for 2020 than it was in 2019. So, we're looking at 3.3% growth rates for the world as a whole versus 2.9% last year. That's a pretty big lift for not just the U.S., but a bunch of other big countries of which we're trading partners.
0: Doesn't sound like there's a recession in sight.
1: Vanishingly small, short of idiosyncratic events that we shouldn't be in the business of predicting anyway.
0: Got it. Well, you did share one canary in the coal mine to keep an eye out on.
1: That's right. So if you take a look at the monthly job job growth numbers from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which are released every first Friday of the month, if that number turns negative for even one month, there's probably a 50% chance you're already in a recession. The good news is that number has not turned negative since late 2010. This is the longest monthly consecutive job growth streak in the history of the BLS keeping track of that number since 1947. So there's really much to be excited about.
0: So pedal pedal to the metal. Now you have access to a ton of data where you work. You get to play with numbers and make them dance on spreadsheets and whatnot. What are you personally most excited about in a 2020 environment?
1: We're taking a look at a lot of income-generating properties in various sectors. We're looking at somewhat flat conditions for maybe the office and retail sectors for reasons that have been beaten up in the press endlessly. But if you take a look at multifamily, warehouse distribution, and even some sectors in senior housing, you're seeing a lot of pretty positive signs in terms of increasing NOI growth and a pretty positive trajectory overall. Terrific.
0: So the show's called Takeaways. I'll invite you to share any other takeaways that you want to share with the audience and then conclude with how people can find you if they want more information or to hear what you're what you're up to every day.
1: Sounds great. Thank you so much, Ayim. I mean, as an economist, I'm always concerned about many fault lines in the economy. I'd like to emphasize that there are always fault lines in the economy. I am not worried for 2020. So that I think that's my biggest takeaway. I know it sounds weird for an economist to be strangely positive, but I'm definitely not as worried this year as I was in past years. But with that in mind, you can reach me at victor.calinog at moody's.com or reach me via linkedin.com forward slash Thanks so much for having me.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. All right, so following Victor was the commercial market panel. You know, the broker panel, as it's known, is one of the cornerstones of the NAOP forecast event, uh, at least for the last six or seven years since they've been doing it. This year, like I said, the moderator was Jeff Lapore. He navigated the panelist beautifully The panelists were Dan Adamson, owner of ROI Commercial Real Estate. He spoke about the retail market. Garrett Toft, industrial broker with CBRE. He obviously gave us the rundown of the uh, the spectrum from uh, land sales to leasing to development to uh, capital markets, investment sales. And Ryan Martin, office broker with me here at MDL Group. So here it is. Me sitting down with each of them separately, Dan, Garrett, and Ryan as they share, again, what the emphasis of their conversations were, what they're looking forward to in 2020, and then some other takeaways as well. Enjoy. I just sat down with Garrett Toft, powerhouse industrial broker with CBRE. Garrett's on the panel today. Garrett, share with us what's the outlook for industrial in Southern Nevada in 2020.
2: Thanks. Good morning. Uh, love that intro, powerhouse. Um, it's true. It, it, it's it's going to be a, a, a pretty good year, I think. Um, certainly a ton of in, investment demand. Uh, we've got a land grab going on in the market that I'll, I'll explain more this morning, but um, really active from those fronts. And then we just uh, are, are really going to monitor how the tenants are showing up. So far, so good. I think it's going to be a real solid year, but uh, it's something to uh, monitor.
0: And what are you personally most excited about for 2020?
2: Um, I, I am uh, excited to see some, some big trades in our market. Uh, I, I think you're going to see you know maybe close to a half a billion dollars transact this year, which will, will match last year, which was a big year. But uh, you, you'll see some, some newer uh, uh, modern industrial buildings transact and I think set some record low cap rates. So that, that'll be fun to watch.
0: So steam is going to continue. I know there's some questions around will will the, will the party stop or not. Um, are there any other takeaways that you want to share for the audience either that was here or couldn't make it this morning as it relates to the industrial market?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things to look at is just the, the, the amazing um, activity that we've seen in the last five, six years here. And, uh, you know, by, by my tally, we built 30 million square feet. You know, so we're a market of 140 million square feet. Six years ago, 110, it's about 27% growth. It's just amazing. Um, That takes about 2,000 acres of land to do that, right? So if you you look out and say, okay, well, where's the next 30 million square feet go? We've got to get a lot more creative. So it'll be, uh, it's interesting times we're operating in.
0: So we don't have enough time to go into today, but land availability, land, well, developable land shortage is a big NAOP topic and has been for a long time.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it, uh, medium term. There's enough supply, but longer term, you know, we're gonna have to get creative.
0: All right, I appreciate you being here today, Garrett. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Bye.
0: Dan Adamson just sat down. Dan Adamson is, if not the most experienced retail broker, certainly one of the most experienced retail brokers here in our market. Owner of ROI Commercial. Dan was a panelist here today at the NAOP Forecast 2020, talking about all things retail in Southern Nevada. So. For, for the folks who are here who are listening or anybody who may have missed it, share with us what is the emphasis of what you talked about today around retail.
3: Well, what I learned is we pale in comparison to what's happening in industrial and retail's loss is industrial's gain, but still a very strong market. We've got, uh, from a brokerage perspective, we have a lot of problems to fix in retail, but overall things are really strong. I said the fast tortoise is kind of where our economy is and I don't see any bumps in the road for the next five years, but I didn't see the last one coming either. So, um, But we have a, a, an outstanding uh, climate for entertainment. The Strip is growing. Uh, plenty of jobs. We, you know, we're short of jobs in a lot of different capacities. So I, I think the growth is great. Uh, people want to get out of California and other states. And uh, so we're going to have growth and we have consumer confidence. Retail spending is going to be strong. And uh, I think the building will be modest uh, and a lot of repurposing and a lot of exciting things.
0: I think the, the description you gave, fast tortoise, is, is pretty astute. Also astute, you were the only person here today, I don't know if Victor mentioned it, that talked about uh, the resort corridor, not neglecting specifically. You talked about not neglecting the resort, co- resort corridor and how much that drives into bread and butter real estate like most of, of us do. Jeremy Aguero just a week ago at the Chamber of Commerce preview event did talk about that how we, we can't forget about that because it drives so much of our economy
3: yeah you might have 350 400,000 people on the strip every day that don't live here so and retailers are finding a way onto the strip and doing very well rents are high investment prices are high and if you read the paper today the one republic and the what were the chain smokers Bought the Walgreens on the strip for $30 million and flipped it for $38 million. How so, about that? Smart entertainment guys, and they're coming. Values are going up.
0: So the speaker we just heard that concluded the show, Greg Lindsay, shared a ton of information. A couple of things jumped out at me as it relates to retail. Stores that come to you, kind of blowing up the whole location, location, location principle of real estate. And ghost restaurants. So these are restaurants that are basically... I don't even know how to describe it to somebody who's never heard of the concept before. Uh, There's a commissary kitchen, essentially, and they use real-time data in neighborhoods, for example, to say, you know what, there is a shortage of Mediterranean food service in this particular neighborhood. Let's create a concept around it. And you can't go there and eat to sit down and eat. Essentially, you're going to order from an app, Postmates or Uber Eats or one of these, uh, from... You know, this, this ghost restaurant.
3: Yeah, there's two different applications for ghost restaurants. Okay. One, think of Pizza Hut. If they have an area where they can't build enough stores in an area or they're having problems servicing it, when you call Pizza Hut and have a pizza delivered to your house, you don't care where it, what store it came from. So they could put a, a ghost store there to service five, six, seven different stores and never open to the public, never do any carry out, and just, just commissary. So that's one. The other one, they're taking social media and we've shown some space to different ones and they say we can run 12 to 15 concepts out of one kitchen so we can we can advertise Mm -hmm. covering mediterranean and and on down the line mexican and chinese and so so it's exciting i don't know how they execute it i haven't seen it firsthand i've read about it them in other cities uh, not here yet, but coming. So, so
0: presumably where you have, you know, the classic strip mall with the Thai restaurant or the, Ch- the Chinese restaurant, the pizza place, you can have one sort of obsolete building that they converted into a, a uh, commissary kitchen. And from that one building, you can run 12, 13 concepts and compete with all these other neighborhood That's staples. what they're saying. Fascinating. And
3: so and that's, you know, for older guys like you and I. There's a, a little disconnect, but our kids might get us cool and might get us working yeah. on it. And if it's convenient and, and uh, it works well, why not?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. So what are you personally most excited about in a 2020 environment?
3: Oh, just just a strong economy. I mean, it's strong economy and the uh, expansion of retail on the strip and, and uh, uh, population growth and taxable sales going up and jobs going, uh, more jobs here. So I, th- I think it's just uh, a lot more of the same.
0: Now, you went out on a limb when Jeff Lapore, the moderator, asked you what, what's your prediction for the year. You said we have five to seven years of runway. Yep. That's great. I don't
3: see anything else, but I've been wrong before.
0: Any other takeaways you want to share down before we conclude?
3: Uh, I thought what Victor was getting into was interesting about uh, the shrinkage of size of the office per person. And, and it is really interesting. If you look nationwide, we're at about 23 and a half square feet of retail per person. You go to UK, Japan, and France, it's four. Canada at 16. So I see a lot of retail repurposing. We sold a target to the health district. Right. Know? So some of it's coming off the board, some of it's getting repurposed. Where the equilibrium is, I don't know. And you've got the internet going from 10 to 12% of sales, and they predict that that's going to double by 2025. So we're there's going to be more and more impact on those things. Right now, you've seen that it's clothing and sporting mm-hmm. goods and electronics. Um, I talked to somebody here today. They bought their all their furniture for their new house online. Yeah, and it was a brand. So think of that. And yeah. The other thing is retailers are going to where people are. They're going to airports. They're going to hotels. There's, there is a hotel, where they have. Uh, I think it's uh, Creighton, or restoration hardware, actually. All the furniture in the lobby is restoration hardware. There's a tag. You can shoot the QR. It's on the, its on its way to your house if you like that chair. So they're really reaching out, getting really yeah. creative, very innovative, a lot of data around your sales. When you use a credit card, they know a lot about where you came from and all. So data is really big. And as I said, the uh, the Nordstrom guy says we're a tech company, not a retailer. So tech and data and AI – are certainly something to look forward to in the future.
0: Wonderful. Dan, thank you for sharing your takeaways. Thank you for being here.
3: You're very welcome.
0: I cannot believe who just sat down. It is Ryan Martin, the most admired office broker in Las Vegas. Ryan, you were up on the panel here at NAOP Forecast 2020 sharing all of your wisdom. Let's jump right in for those in the audience who are listening back or maybe for those who couldn't make it. Recap some of the things that you shared about the office market in Southern Nevada.
4: Sure. Thanks, Hayam. I I appreciate the opportunity to sit down with you here. To recap, I I guess my takeaways from what I presented in the office market was the office market is a very interesting animal right now. Uh, It's been kind of stale in a sense that the inventory has sat still. And actually in some aspects it's gone down in size because of repurposing and, and, and other events. But as a result of that, and we are not replacing that product quick enough in order to stabilize the inventory. So we actually had a negative product type go in our marketplace of a negative 188. I thought that was a very interesting statistic when looking at our market.
0: So let me just, can I just clarify a couple things? We had, um, A reduction in inventory, and that's, from what you said up there, I I want to understand. There was a fire, we know that, a a building burnt down, so that's the obvious one. The others were, the way that the numbers are reported, um, if if a property that is for lease product, for example, gets purchased by an owner-user, that's removed from the inventory. If a government user goes in and takes it, that's removed from the inventory. So from that perspective, we've reduced the inventory by about 188,000 square feet. That is
4: absolutely correct. Got it. The other takeaways from mine were the top sale for the market was a $57 million disposition. that's big. Yeah, the Red Rock Casino headquarters for stations, 400 plus square foot, just over a six cap, six and a half cap for the property. And so that was our, our top sale. The reason I bring up the top sale is because our capital markets and investment market saw half of the interest, almost a third of the interest that it's seen historically. So we're not seeing a lot of activity in that aspect, and and that has also trickled into the desire of absorption. Historically, absorption in in Southern Nevada for office has been one million 1.2 1.2 million square feet where we absorb that per year meaning new product or new tenants are taking more and more space off of the market and what is a result of that is is that we've had only 400,000 this year. And I think that is a direct result. And my key point was is product. The product is lacking. And as a result of that, we're not seeing as many deals. The deals aren't available because the product isn't there.
0: So when you mentioned that up on the panel, it's reminiscent of 2009. I remember John Restrepo, a longtime NAOP member and board member, was commissioned by the uh, Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance to do a study on distribution space, industrial space. And that was the same conclusion. It's that we weren't uh, getting companies moving here because, frankly, the product wasn't here. So interesting that in a 2019 environment, the same kind of thing is going on, but for office in that if we did have the product, we would have the absorption. So the good news is moderator Jeff Lepore is building a building along the Beltway. Um, Also longtime NAOP supporters. Matter is building on Commons. So that should help.
4: That absolutely does help. And that's where all the activities focus right now is in that southwest submarket of our valley. We're seeing those folks planned to break ground this quarter, being the first quarter of the year of 2020. And, and that will absolutely bring fresh product to the table. About one third of that is already committed and pre-leased. How about that? So that's something we don't see very often in our office market. But due to the lack of class A office space, especially along the Beltway, you're seeing companies either plan two, three years ahead in order to go into these projects and find their new home. Or if they're large enough, they're going out finding a track of land and building it themselves.
0: So that's a great segue because it's exciting. So for you, what are you personally excited about in a 2020 environment?
4: What I'm most excited about this year in 2020 is I really am excited about the new product coming online. I think that it's long overdue. It's it's refreshing. I think that the tenant itself is taken a totally new angle at looking at office space. It's no longer about pinching pennies. It's more about the environment. It's about the staff. It's about the employee. It's about the amenities and the services. It's, it, it all boils down to the experience, even if you're at work. And so I'M MOST EXCITED TO SEE, LIKE YOU SAID, NARRATIVE, UNCOMMONS, THESE PROJECTS COME OUT OF THE GROUND THIS YEAR, I THINK it WILL BE A GREAT OPPORTUNITY FOR OUR MARKET, I THINK THERE WILL BE OTHERS TO FOLLOW, YOU KNOW, CAN'T EXCLUDE HOWARD HUGHES, WHO WAS OUR SPONSOR TODAY, THEY'RE PLANNING ON BUILDING THEIR THIRD BUILDING, THEY'VE BEEN WILDLY SUCCESSFUL, THEY ARE CONTINUING TO BUILD THIS MASTER PLAN MALL. Uh, community sporting arena and the office components are being a nice addition to that so I'm very excited for what I see I think there's a lot of runway left was one of the questions that we addressed today Uh, the office market itself has been you know a little bit of a tale of two cities which was what we discussed but for the most part there's a lot of runway left and we're very excited about
0: it it's easy to kind of gloss over Hughes and their buildings because they put them up and they're full and it's kind of like well that worked. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And you know and then everyone you know kind of goes back to well what we'll look at their land basis and things like that but at the doesn't end doesn't of- matter. They put up a building and it filled up and the rents are the rents. Exactly. And and yeah. one could and that's a great that's a great comment there. The rents are the rents and and I would suspect that you'll see more appreciation in rents in 2020 than we've seen in quite some time. And that's going to be in order to continue to evolve as a market as an office market to keep pace with the Raiders coming and everything else coming we have to stay one step ahead in the office market and these projects will deliver that
0: well you shared a ton are there any other takeaways that you want to share or does that does that do it for us
4: I think that does it
0: all right perfect Ryan thank you for sitting down with me and sharing your recap and what you're excited about and the takeaways from this event thank you Okay. And then the closer, the final keynote, Greg Lindsay, Greg did more than forecast this morning. He took the audience on an actual journey into the future. Greg is a director of applied research for new cities foundation and the director of strategy for CoMotion LA. After Greg finished his presentation, he opened it up for Q and a, and it took about three minutes for the audience really to, to get their brains back into their heads and collect their thoughts before anybody could ask any questions. But uh, listen into my chat with Greg, and you will understand exactly why. Here he is. Greg Lindsay just sat down. Greg is the Director of Applied Research, New Cities Foundation, and the Director of Strategy for CoMotion LA. Greg is a speaker here at the NAOP Forecast Event, NAOP 2020, and we're going to just have a few questions on your talk today. Fire away. So tell everyone who, who was here and was listening, and for those that might not have been able to make it here today, what was the emphasis of your overall presentation?
5: Well, you know, my talk, and I'm following a, following an economist, you know, I, I like to say that my version, my talks are really like the board book, picture book versions of really walking through the economic trends. So I've got about 100 plus slides. Uh, really illustrating the innovations, the new product types, really looking for sort of interesting edge cases that illustrate these larger changes in multifamily living, Uh, what the millennials are going to do as they approach middle age in their child-rearing years, uh, you know, where they can buy and where they can raise families. And um, yeah, my talk is sort of generally divided up into three sections, one looking at mobility. I mean, you know, 10 years on, we're waiting for autonomous vehicles. I'm still trying to get my autonomous lift here in Vegas while I'm here. Um, But also like changes in delivery and the sort of technology there. Um, Looking at the evolution of work, you know, uh, obviously we've already had our first, you know, is we work really for real sort of still conversation here. And I want to sort of press upon that. And then, yeah, looking at some of the sort of interesting mixed use product types that are coming out of this. Like thinking about as those uses get increasingly mixed up as the retail apocalypse unfolds. So that's sort of, you know, looking out and the implications of that for business models, what it means for real estate with Amazon absorbing more and more retail, uh, things like that.
0: So the first time I heard you talk, we, we, were, we were you and I were talking about it before this. Uh, I was probably three years ago, I want to say, at a Corefact conference in San Diego. And what struck me about your presentation is it wasn't just information of what's happening in the trends, but really practically how it ties back into real estate and how it affects real estate. The example that I like to share was back then Pokemon Go was all the craze, and you talked about the technology behind it, augmented reality, and the questions you raised was who who has the right. To put a Pokemon ball or whatever in front of my property and affect my traffic one way or the other, positively or negatively. Yep. So I thought that that was fascinating and, and excited more about your talk today.
5: Well, the version of that you know that I have in, in today is really thinking about uh, delivery and delivery bots. So you know, many of you have probably seen pictures of you know little robots trundling along on sidewalks. Well, one of those is cute, or maybe you want to hit it with a baseball bat. I don't know. But you know what happens when there's 20 of them or 30 of them? They're convoys and they're going on the street. It's like get out of my way. Your sidewalk. Yeah. You know, I mean, tech companies see sidewalks and streets overall. I mean, Uber and Lyft do this as completely untaxed, unpriced resources, which they can exploit at length. And it's going to raise some really interesting questions of, you know, when Amazon starts deploying this to meet up with our insatiable demand for delivery, you know, our city is going to tax them. I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm showing some slides here in my talk here about startups like Cord, uh, which has created an API that allows you to take every inch of curb space in your city and slice it into equivalent of a parking space. Only you're parking for three minutes and price it accordingly and change dynamic pricing. And, and what does that mean for hmm. cities and people in that? where every square inch of the city is now bookable and rentable. I mean that has major implications for taxes, of course, for merchants, uh, but also for just people on the street, you know, do we have to pay to use the sidewalk so you can head in that direction?
0: And for municipalities and zoning and those kinds of things. So, you know, you're you're a very intelligent person with a lot of a lot of depth. You take a lot of different things that are happening and you you put them into a very articulate and understandable way. So, all the research, all the stuff you see, all the advance, all that, what are you most excited about in a 2020 environment?
5: Well, you know, the thing The, the thing I've been working on for most of the past year finally drops next week, so it's a whole report uh, sponsored by Evenway Cambridge out of Montreal, where I live now, uh, on basically where millennials are choosing to live. It's been my deep dive into that whole dark subculture, of what millennials actually want and how they're supposedly killing homeownership and cars and everything else, and, and the picture that emerges, I say this as a, a, a late Gen Xer myself, Um, is that, yeah, I mean, I feel sorry for them. This is a generation that has very few good options and that, you know, really the question that starts out is, you know, do millennials want to stay in cities in their apartments or do they want to move to the suburbs? And the answer is we have not built what they actually want, which is a walkable, you know, large-scale home they can raise a family in, but that's close to amenities. And, you know, and I'm literally writing the recommendation section here at the conference (laughs) because it has to be published next week. And yet we just simply haven't provided the housing supply Zoning is completely outdated on this and allowing us to build the kind of multifamily and mixed-use environments that they want. And yeah, and, and effectively, you know, uh, they're they're operating in a complete increasingly constrained environment, and they're never going to own their homes, or they're, you know, and we're seeing the rise of these schemes to put their house on Airbnb or to basically co-invest with them because they can't raise the down payments. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm very excited to sort of see what reception that gets and see, you know, and see, I mean, I guess the thing I'm most looking forward to is, you know, presidential election season is starting, the caucuses. uh, You know, I'm hoping that of the Democratic candidates, one of them emerges who has a really good housing plan, you know, uh, whether that's Bernie or Warren or several of the others. I forget who who's still in who had a really good plan. Castro, of course, being a former secretary of HUD, had a very good plan. So I really want to see what they can do for the millennials and, and helping them actually own their own homes or at least find the homes that they want to live in.
0: Now, is Gen Z incorporated in that because they're just behind or are they just totally separate when you do the research?
5: They get totally separate. The Zoomers, you know, it's, it's interesting. and It'll be interesting to see how these cohorts age. So I'm glad you brought this up because, you know, a lot of people just assume millennials will be forever young. I mean, you know, more than half of the millennials yeah. are in their 30s. The oldest ones turn 40 either this year or next year, depending on how you cut it. And the Zoomers are behind them. And I think it's already interesting that people are pointing to the Zoomers as not getting driver's license. That supposedly, they don't want to drive. That is exactly what they said about millennials, and the current research on that is that they're driving at the same rates, if not more, than their boomer parents. Yeah. So, you know, I'd like to see some behavior change there, but it's just so easy to fall into these cliches about what the kids are into these days. So, kind of
0: concluding here, I'll, I'll ask you what are some of your takeaways, but then also, when you're done sharing some of the takeaways for the audience, um, how can people find you if they want to follow you or, you know, read, read more about what you're up to?
5: Yeah, well, I mean, big takeaways I'm thinking about. I mean, one, you know, one that comes out of this is that we're really at an inflection point right now when it comes to urban mobility, uh, particularly you know, with autonomous vehicles becoming almost a reality and what the behavior changes that could do. It, there's a there's a trillion dollar question, multi-trillion dollar question is, are these new technologies and services, delivery, whatever else, is that going to make the areas? around, let's say, downtowns, dense walkable areas, more attractive because it expands the scope of that. So there's a huge opportunity in the sort of collar neighborhoods around downtowns. I know people putting together funds to invest in that. Or will it create a new generation of even more sprawl because now formerly areas, that the, the commutes were too long, are now actually tolerable commutes because you're not driving you're just riding along and that is like the centripetal versus centrifugal force is really interesting i mean someone who studies cities i'm voting centripetal and that's and i want to see the policies that will enable us to densify and build and so i'm i'm also paying close attention to california's sb50 housing law that would do that kind of thing and, and seeing those policies um, other takeaways. Um, I'm thinking about this. Yeah, you know, I, I like to lay out information and go from there. Um, you know, I'm really interested in sort of the future of work, uh, particularly knowledge work. I'm, I'm talking a bit about today about automation. I think one of the things that doesn't get talked about in the "Will the robots take our jobs?" movement, well, humans will still do the work. The robots will take the credit. That is really what's happening here. You're seeing people pushed into less and less desirable jobs, but someone still has to do the work. I think one thing we're going to talk about in 2020 is that a fa- is that a lot of so-called automated things, whether it's automated cars or autonomous scooters, which is becoming a thing, is that a lot of that work is actually done remotely by someone Mm -hmm. in a call center in Mexico or in the Philippines or elsewhere. And I think we're going to have cities and suburbs that are going to be full of autonomous objects, and I'm using scare quotes here, that are actually being manipulated by humans somewhere else. And that has to be part of this whole debate about creating good jobs and what are we doing for them. Um, So that's a takeaway as well. And then uh, I guess as a third one, yeah, I'm I'm really interested in sort of seeing... um, yeah, you know, more integrated urban developments as, as well. You know, uh, you know, I've, I'm ending my presentation today with some slides of IKEA that has its own proposal built, Urban Villages. And they've got a deal with Skanska, who I'm trying to do a research project on, by building more prefab uh, of corporations trying to deliver their own districts or cities. We've seen Sidewalk Labs, part of Alphabet's trying to do this in Toronto. Uh, and I think that's really interesting about the sort of like, you know, that we think of real estate as an unbranded product type, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the buildings themselves are typically unbranded and you, you right. bring in tenants. Uh, I think that's changing. We're already seeing that in Workspace. You know, WeWork led that charge of, yep. of a completely branded, uh, scaled uh, spaces. So I think that's going to be a big driver going forward. How can people find you? You can find me online. I'm at greglindsay.org. It's my own personal website. And we're also at the New Cities Foundation. We're at newcities.org. And I'm on Twitter at uh, greg underscore lindsay with an A-Y.
0: Fascinating. Greg, thank you. Appreciate you sharing your takeaways. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay. That concludes our takeaways recap from NAOP forecast 2020. Those of you who were there definitely enjoyed it. Those of you who weren't, make sure to come next time. Uh, February's event for NAOP is going to be a retail panel moderated by Dan Adamson. He has put together a panel of a developer, a unique type of retail broker, and then a surprise third panelist. So if... All the changes and is of interest to you, make sure to attend the next NAOP event in February. And that's it for me. Thank you for listening. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please, Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.